Hello, I'm Kevin. And I'm Mike. And this is Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we're taking a long, hard look at some of our favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre, and we're taking a deep dive into some of the 80s and 90s cult action movies and breaking them all the way down. All right, welcome to episode two of our breakdown of 1987's Predator, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers, directed by John McTiernan. We're just going to get right into it. Uh, the first scene is the team rappelling down from the helicopters, and they're landing to the drop zone where they're going to get ready to do their mission, uh, where they're going to go look for these diplomats that went missing. Right. I, I feel like uh, even the rappelling out of the helicopter was something maybe for, like, 87 was something you hadn't seen that much. Like, it was kind of a cool uh, move to just shoot down these ropes or whatever, you know? Yeah. I, I thought, the, I thought well... Now I you thought, see it all the time, but... Yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting because back then, you know, they used a lot of practical effects. So mm-hmm. these guys really repelled down... Not the actors. The actor, yeah. Not the actors, but <laughs> <laughs> they had somebody really repelling down from a helicopter. Yeah. And... Uh, this movie was really shot in the jungles of uh, Mexico. Mexico. Yeah. Uh, today, this would have been shot in a CGI studio somewhere. Yeah, right. I, right. I, I, I miss the days of practical effects where you are actually on location. Now, I'm sure that that uh, brings a, about a whole set of problems like uh, insects and bugs and mosquitoes and whatnot, snakes, uh-huh. alligators, whatever is out there in the <laughs> jungle. Carl Weathers described like shooting in the jungle that it was like shooting in hell because there's like every nothing was flat like yeah. there's no place you could stand oh i'm sure that it's you're tough. not like having to stand on the side of a hill yeah. or there's no place you can sit down that you're not you but know it adds so much hill more, oh yeah you can feel it man but I it mean, adds so much more realism to the film like you're actually there I, i'm not a big fan of this whole cgi studio i Put me on set. Put me on location. <laughs> I, mean, I want to be there. That's what was real. Yeah, that was what was really real. working. Exactly. I noticed when they drop in, like the jungle was like just incredibly smoky. Like they had the smoke machines working overtime. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, they, I'm like, did they drop into the middle of a forest fire? Now, I, now the fact that could have been smoke or it could have been just I think it was meant natural to be, humidity. It was meant to be like fog or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, no, no jungles. Can you fog. imagine when it was how hard it was to keep your lenses clean? And all that oh, mark, murky jungle like a, yeah, humidity. Yeah, film clean. Yeah. I mean, yeah and that, that was probably, it was on film, not um, digital. No digital. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, the, my hat's off to those guys back they, in the day. They went for it. And those were real filmmakers. And to do all that on like, a low budget, I mean, yeah, they, that was like, that was impressive. They they really went for it. They yeah. do a really good job of distinguishing the characters in this, and for as little screen time as each person has. Yeah, I mean, like, so they, they talked about... Um, when they were cast in the movie, I mean, you know, obviously it was a vehicle for Arnold Schwarzenegger and they got Carl Weathers in there. He's like an established guy. But like beyond that, I mean, they were looking for guys who had some military background, like veterans. Um, would, you, would you say Sonny Lanham was like the third biggest actor in that film? I, I, see, R.G. Armstrong uh, was a, as a well-known character actor at that point. I've never, he was like 70 yeah, at Yeah, I don't time. know him from anything but yeah. this movie. Um, 
Yeah, maybe. I guess Jesse Ventura was like maybe a more recognizable face. He was he a was wrestler. Big from wrestling. Yeah, yeah. But was Jesse Ventura like an early wrestler going to movies like The Rock is now? Or like you know Hulk Hogan maybe did or Hulk Hogan. Before. He had to be. He, he had to have been before Hulk Hogan. No, Hulk was in uh, Rocky Three. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget. You know you can't forget. The Mountain of Molten that is, Lust. That is true. <laughs> Thunder Lust. How can I forget that part? <laughs> uh, anyway. But yeah. Um, but yeah, Jesse Ventura, I mean, he's a loud mouth, outspoken dude, you know, no doubt. Like a lot of charisma. But yeah, but I think he had that military background, which is what ultimately got him the part. Um, but, you know, though he wasn't an actual Navy SEAL the way he maybe sometimes claims to have been, he did train. No, with, he was. He, uh, check his service records. Oh, really? Nah, he just he talks a lot. He, he trained with them, but he was never like, an oh, active, he was never actually he was never deployed. Active SEAL. Gotcha. Yeah, so, but I mean, that doesn't mean he wasn't a tough don't hate, dude. Don't hate the player, hate the game, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know. So, Richard Chavez, who played Poncho, he was military, like okay. a Vietnam vet. Oh, really? And I think they also actor. went into like acting and theater and stuff like that. And Sonny Lanham, I didn't know, was because he was. An established actor, but he yeah. also was a Vietnam vet. Sonny Lanham is the most unconventional actor I can think of. Or back, you mean how he got into movies? Well, yeah, like he just seems like a just a guy that like, he I did porn before he did. Yeah, exactly. Any mainstream movie, I can't imagine that that guy like drinking beer at a bar was like, you know what, I want to be an actor. I, I he don't seems see like that Mr. T type, like where he yeah. might have been a bouncer at some point. Exactly. I don't see how he made that transition. I would love to hear his backstory of how he made the transition. He probably from... had the look, man. He was in um he was in some early movies like some he was in, you know, before forty eight hours, he was in Warriors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was, uh, a, was a cult like movie, a, but they were probably just looking for dudes with just a, a certain big guy. look. Yeah. You know, like big imposing guys. But he does have a lot of presence. When he's on screen. No, he, he's definitely, like, he, he commands the camera when he's on screen. Which probably helped, I mean, like, to make this many different guys all stand out in their own way. Like, you need guys with a lot of, but he was such a, a lot of charisma on screen. Like, he was such a great actor. Like, like in even the small stuff he did, like, even in his imposing roles. Oh, man, like he's he, always scary. Like, he, was, he really nailed it. Like, there was, like, a sense of menace when he was on screen. Mm-hmm. And like I just wonder how he went from wherever he wherever he was to to, to those points. I don't know, man. That's a, a lot a bi- of that's lot a, of demons. They should do a biographic movie <laughs> of this dude's yeah. life. Yeah, Shane Black, who tells the story about how he was supposed to, his character in the script was going to wear like a red beret, mm-hmm. and he was like, "No, I'm not wearing a red beret. You don't drop into the jungle wearing a red beret yeah, and like camo. It's crazy how like." But then producers. they told him right like. Oh, you should have kept the beret, man. That would have made your character more memorable. But he, you know, they, he still kept it pretty memorable. I, really, I'm pretty memorable. Yeah, I, I remember. He's the guy much. with the glasses, and, and he's the like jokes. the nerdy guy, like working the radio and the jokes. He was and, out yeah, the, jokes. the jokes. Yeah. How many people have directed a film in Hollywood or producers come in and just put their finger on it and just totally fuck it up? I happen. I think that happens more. It often probably than helps not. when you're shooting down in Mexico and you're like far away from. The dudes being able to just wander onto the set yeah, to see that, how it's going. But that was McTiernan's first big budget film. Yeah. So he was a rookie at that point. So he was probably under the thumb of of. You know, they talk Hollywood. about like how they shot maybe three quarters of the movie and they were still trying to figure out what the Predator's look was going to be. Oh, really? Uh, but they were trying to convince the studio like, hey, don't give up on us. Like we got 
a good movie. And so they sent him like a rough cut of what they had shot so far. And like the dudes at the studio really liked it, I think, and freed up a little bit more money for them to sort of to whatever rework the look of uh, this is the such look a, of the Predator. This is such an, a great movie. It's hard to that think hard it was to, like done on a low budget and yeah. done with like, oh, we're All halfway done with the movie and we don't even know had. what the Predator is going to look like. Exactly. Yet. Halfway through the filming, like, and there's a whole story of Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, but man. we haven't we're even gotten to get the Predator. Way into that. Yeah, we haven't yeah. even gotten to the Predator right. yet, so anyway, we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> let's talk about, okay, so they find the crash helicopter and Poncho climbs up with it. Now, I got to say... Poncho had a fucking grappling hook. Okay? <laughs> I mean, what? This like, is not like medieval Batman. times. Like, when do you see a dude in a modern well, how movie? How else would you have gotten up there? Just climb the tree Isn't himself? I, I don't know. You know, but I, he had a he had a grappling hook. You know, in I his remember. Bag. I remember watching that the other day and thinking like how 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 unsafe that was. Like because he they pulled the, the whole helicopter they, they down. Because <laughs> after he goes up. Uh, Carl Weathers goes. Uh, Dylan goes up. Let's like, see how much weight this is can hold. <laughs> totally pulled that whole helicopter down. I mean, but aside from you know, like Lord of the Rings or something, you don't see many grappling hooks in movies. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like Batman, you said, or uh, Luke Skywalker had that one. That's when they definitely medieval. That's old school. Yeah, that's when you got to be solid and deadly. That's an old school tool to have. Yeah, that's like a ninja tool right yes. there. <laughs> like I just like when I was watching it, he goes through his backpack and comes out. With a damn grappling Would have been hook. cooler if it had been like a jet propelled grappling well, of hook? Of course. But, you know, <laughs> these dudes were like, yeah, they, like you said, they were being quiet. They yeah, were stealthy they were with stealthy. it, right? And, like, that's the first time you see, like, a dead body, too. Like, you see yeah. the body of the, uh, yeah. the the helicopter pilot in there, and it's like, oh, this is for real. Right. There's blood all over there. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this movie is this movie's not joking around. They're going to show blood and guts. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, Poncho drops down, and he tells Dutch... That this helicopter did not crash, like yeah. that it was shot down. Exactly, and so this is the first time. Th- I think this is one of the first times that Dutch is like, "Yeah, what's what's going on here?" Uh, Dylan? Right. I mean, he was a little suspicious earlier, yeah. but yeah, he's like, they tell him, "Yeah, it was taken out with a heat seeker." Yeah, and he's like, "That's pretty sophisticated for, for like a r- bunch whatever of, gorillas or like gorillas, revolutionaries yeah. or whatever." So, and the pilots were both shot in the head, meaning like, they, oh, that, whoever, that's how they yeah, he said like they were both executed. So whoever went up in the helicopter and and shot these dudes. Yeah, this so. is confusing because we obviously know the the whole plot of the movie, but were they shot in the heads by the gorillas or were they shot in the head by the predator? You know? I, don't, I think it was probably the gorillas. That whole first part of this movie could be a movie in itself, where yeah. the it's its own plot and yeah. it's a strong plot. Like yeah, it's, it's, which is so weird that they diverge from it in such a significant way. But like the the diplomats fly in, which they happen to be something else, uh-huh. and. The gorillas find him and they shoot him in the head and they they yeah. take him away. That's a strong plot just on its own. So yeah. that's why I think this movie's so clever. They, you know, you're not necessarily you're in. prepared for a whole other plot line. You're you're totally but, suckered um, into this. You know, movie. it's kind of like uh like from Dust Till Dawn when it's like the first half of the movie is like a heist movie and they yeah. kidnap the family. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there's it's like a, vampires vampire everywhere. You know, I was like, oh snap, this is <laughs> where, a vampire. Where'd that come Wait, from? This is a vampire movie? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, that's how it's labeled as a vampire film, not a not a heist. But yeah, so uh, yeah, Dutch tell Dutch sort of turns to Dylan and he's like expresses the fact that 
this isn't adding up and Dylan tries to just yeah, play he, it off like Dylan oh just, I guess they're uh, getting better equipment all the time yeah or something like, you so know. did Dylan like already have that pre made up story before he got there or did he just he's not know he's playing it out man I think he's playing out the line. he's just coming off the he's just like winging it at that point like I have no idea these are just some military people that we gave our money to back mm-hmm. then yeah so so Billy rolls up on him and he tells him he's picked up the trail uh, that the gorillas took two people from the helicopter and they went off in this direction or whatever and that there was another trail with uh, six guys who appeared to be U.S. soldiers following after them. Yeah. So at this scene, Billy gives like a really intricate detail of everything that happened in Uh that little gunfight. So my question to you, is it racist that they make... (laughs) Billy, who is Native American, uh-huh. the tracker of uh, of the film? I mean, yes, <laughs> but you know, for I'm sure for Sonny Landham, it was awesome to have a role where he got to like such a huge role too. Yeah, he got to talk a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a memorable character in this movie. Um, but yeah, you know, it's uh, it's problematic. <laughs> it's 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 been shown worse in the film. Yeah, like I mean, they he, all respect him. Yeah, it's not he has like they're like, role hey, in the group. let's bring this guy along who we treat like a dog. Yeah, then, like uh, they didn't just find him like when they landed there. Yeah. Like, we're just going to get this tracker. To, I mean, they all respect him and he respects yeah. them. So I think they did it pretty well. But yeah, you know, they could have picked a different dude in the squad to be the tracker. Yeah. It's a little, maybe a little uh, heavy handed. Yeah, I'm, I'm always, I'll, I love those the trackers who can like look at the ground and be like, okay, there was 12 men and they were all wearing like right. this a certain this bridal. Boot. Yeah. They were wearing this they were, boot. They were we wearing, had uh, two guys who were size 12. Yeah, exactly. This guy was a size 10. <laughs> One of them had like a slight limp in his leg. <laughs> right. Like they do that in so many movies. They did it in princess bride. They really do it in, um, Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. They really yeah, do it in uh, yeah. Lord of the Rings. I, I always find that really interesting when somebody can I mean, I think, look at the ground and figure out how many people were. And I bet really good Guys at doing that can maybe do it as good as Billy does goodness. Really? Movie. You think those people really exist? Like, that they can tell that there was, yeah, six different dudes or like. Because Billy was at the point where he was could tell, like, what kind of guns they were firing off into the woods. Mm-hmm. Like, I, are people that good at tracking? I mean, I can't say for sure. Billy was. <laughs> Billy was also a movie character. That's true. <laughs> so, yeah, he tells them, oh, these, they were followed by six guys who were wearing American boots. And then, yeah, uh, Dylan's real quick to be like, oh, it must be another rebel patrol. Yeah, just like they're, they're in this area. Way. They're in this area all the time. But yeah, he had like another he, line for him. Yeah, he I knew. feel like he had that story. Just he, he knew he knew what was going on. He just wanted to. At this point, at this point, Arnold is doing a little bit of acting like you can tell that Dutch is concerned. He's not. He knows. At he this knows point. something's he up. Knows he knows at this point know. Dylan's lying to but him. But they where they established that trust in that first scene with between Dylan and Dutch. He's mm-hmm. still relying on that trust between. Right. He'll Dylan. follow him a long way. Yeah. He's like, well, this is Dylan leading us, so I still trust you, even though I know I can instinct. I I know instinctively that something's going on. I still trust this guy, so I'm gonna go along with this whole plan. I do find myself like wondering why. Why is Dutch still listening to Dylan at this point? Like, Why hasn't he just taken over? Because that's, yeah, that's his mean, crew. Because you know, at this point, he knows that this guy is just feeding him one lie after another. But he's like, all right, well, we'll just do with it. But that's I guess much, they got that history together. That's how much trust he has in him. Like, mm-hmm. if that had been like some rookie, like we were saying earlier, yeah. then he would have been like, no, I'm out of here. We're, I'm pulling my crew. We're out of here. This, there's something going on. Yeah. And, yeah. But he trusts Dylan. So he's like, well, okay, well, let's continue with the mission. 
Now, I got to jump off and talk about Billy has his machete out. And he does that thing where you hack the vine and you're sucking water out of the vine. <laughs> yeah. Again, they filmed work that they filmed in a real jungle. Do did they somebody like hook up like a vine with water running out of her? Yeah, did he was really that a prop or was that because real? It, when it looking at it, it kind of comes out like milky, almost like co- coconut milk. <laughs> OK, so they filmed, it could be real. Then. It could. So it probably was real. Um that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, they they do a lot of really cool things like it. that in this when movie. When I was little, I I used to play in the woods a lot, and like I would. <laughs> Did you? Like, I tried cut down this. vines. I mean, but we didn't have vines like that. <laughs> say, it was like you, you know, a little tiny vine, and it never worked. <laughs> you are but, from uh, Georgia, right? Yeah, I'm gonna have to see this yeah, forest that you used to play in. <laughs> but oh man, it was down in Lagrange. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty country down there. Yeah. So these are. This is the woods of. This is the jungle of Mexico. Not these are woods. Isn't what's what's the difference between the jungle and the woods? The, the humidity, the humidity. <laughs> like the jungle is like 10 times bigger the palm fronds and mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. but uh yeah so um this in this scene billy is he he cuts down a vine he starts uh drinking some water which i think is really cool because if you're ever lost in the jungle then just cut down a vine and start drinking obviously water. it works that's that's what they were trying to tell us but he his <laughs> you get his, spooked. his sixth sense uh, there was like some bird noises or something like uh yeah vulture were, noise or yeah no like they yeah, I see what you're saying, but I think that that was more like there, was, there were jungle noises all throughout those scenes. True. So that one scene, there was like something that really drew his attention mm-hmm. to the to the left. And yeah, there were bird noises, but those were particular bird noises. Maybe because they were vultures, and he didn't. Yeah, he hadn't heard. And those. They were like low down. I mean, yeah, were, and he and yeah, they weren't in the sky. They were really. But anyway, he's an expert tracker. Is yeah, so he knows. Yeah. This is the first time. This is the first. Not the first time, but this is where he's like, oh, okay, what's going on over here? Like, and he walks through the forest and he, and it's, this is a really cool scene because you can kind of see between the trees and you the, and the you can see a little red, you can see this, there's something back there and the red is really prominent and it's a great reveal because they pull back the canopy mm-hmm. and there's like all these bodies like hanging up in the trees that have been skinned. Yeah, three dudes strung up by their heels. Was it like, three? There's three guys. Okay. Yeah, they were skinned. And yeah, I mean, it's a... I remember when I was like little... That's a very shocking moment. That was moment. like the scary... One of the scariest things I had seen. Like That's the first intense moment of that, mo- of that movie. Yeah, everything had kind of been fun and games yeah. up until that moment. And you're like, yeah. oh my God. This even, is like... This is a gra- like this is a gory movie. Yeah, even the, the helicopter scene was whatever. But yeah. like that scene right there was like the first kind of like jump scare the first kind of like graphic moment mm-hmm. uh i believe they they show the bodies that are skinned and they also show like the entrails yeah there's like a pile of, there's guts. A pile of guts and everything there's a lot of blood the vultures um that's when matt yeah matt goes down in the guts there's like dog tags yeah there. yeah yeah. now i mean i gotta say this is a pretty boss move Matt like takes his knife Grabs the dog tags like by the chain and flings them like right over to Dutch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would have hit Dutch in the face. What do you think? If he didn't catch it, that's a boss. How many? How many dude. takes? Twelve takes. Uh, to, to catch you know that what? just right. Nah, it was one take with him flinging it, and another take where a dude who's off camera threw just him. Just do it to him. <laughs> I'm gonna say that was a three take scene right okay. there. But I mean, um, that was a slick move, dude. Like, yeah, it was. Pretty, pretty I didn't, cool. you know. When you're watching it for the hundredth time, you notice things like that. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it meshed well, uh, like, and it lets you know these dudes are all like just super trained and yeah. cohesive, and like 
he knows exactly how to work that knife for yeah, like yeah. any purpose. In fact, you know? I was even looking back. He just kind of like picked it up and threw it back. Like, and like he it just flew, instinctively knew that flew. he would be there. It was like in the Sandlot when dude <laughs> went and told Smalls to stand on the outfield and just put his glove up in the air and yeah, hit the ball knock, and I'll hit him it in the you. glove. Yeah, you're right. It was That's, like he he put it in Arnold's hand from like 20 feet the away. The Sandlot was inspired by this that scene right there. <laughs> um, so a quick note. Uh, I wonder if PETA was on on uh, location when they shot this because that's the scene where he, one kicked of, a bird, he right? kicks a bird <laughs> he kicks a vulture <laughs> i can't imagine peter was like cool with that. Uh, you know i think uh mctiernan talks about that stuff on the commentary uh-huh. he talks about like the only animal that they really they harmed. harmed was the scorpion oh really yeah that was a real scorpion oh we'll get to that but anyway like, yeah they I'm actually the kicked <laughs> they ki- like they kicked a bird and it was like Really? Like it wasn't uh, like know. he shooed him away. Yeah, he like, bird is like, yeah. like he put foot into that bird's ass. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I I wonder if they got signed off. There have been uh, movies where animals have been harmed. There's like oh. a really famous movie where yeah. somebody um, rode a horse off a cliff and it dove into the water and the horse was killed. Oh, yeah, but I, this was like back in the twenties. Okay, so yeah, Peter's, can't really compare. Peter's but pretty much on that. Arnold gets those dog tags and he realizes like these are soldiers this is a soldier that he knows yeah um, this, this is Hopper. the introduction is, of Jim Hoppa Jim Hoppa I, I thought for a long time his name was Harper because he's like <laughs> yeah. Hoppa 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 but yeah no Hopper yeah. like a rabbit hops yeah they so he, you never see that character or you never see his crew uh, yeah um, his not guts, even in like a, you see his guts so you never see him even in photographs or anything he's no. just a mentioned character that both uh, Dutch and Dylan yeah, right. they have had worked. With they had guy. history. They knew the guy. Yeah, Dylan so. talks about, um, or not Dylan, Dutch says they were Green Berets mm-hmm. from Fort Bragg. So, I mean, these guys were like elite soldiers. Yeah. And whatever, whoever got them. Whatever took got these them. guys down, we, we're facing some serious right, shit here. Right, right. So, they find the three guys strung up there. And Billy earlier had said that there were six guys in American boots mm-hmm. falling. So I was just always curious, like, where were the other guys? I mean, maybe maybe they were higher up in the trees, like, takes them up to the treetops. Possibly. Uh, so I'm a big believer that if, and especially in film, like, if you don't show it, it didn't happen. Uh-huh. So I think they're just gone. Like, they're just mysteriously disappeared. I mean, I think, that he, like, yeah, I mean, Predator can make a body disappear, yeah. no doubt. I sort of feel like or maybe if they, they were off. high up in the trees, Billy with his skills probably would have found them. But I mean, my real suspect, my real suspicion <laughs> is that they ran out of money and they couldn't make six skin bodies, <laughs> so they gave us three. Uh, yeah, but a clever film director would have just taken those three bodies that they had below and just put them up in the trees and made six bodies uh, out of the true, three. So true. at any rate, it's just a mystery that I don't uh, think yeah. they ever really like solve. But. That could be. Another Predator movie where what happened to those mm-hmm. three bodies right there. But so the whole squad is like disgusted by the wh- who would skin them? These Why are, would they skin them? Who takes the time? These to are sleep? grizzled military veterans that are like yeah. totally disgusted by what they run up on. Right. Like that tells even, you how even even Dylan, yeah, who is the guy who like knows that they're dropping them into a bad situation. Yeah, even like, he, Billy. He's like, oh, this is inhuman. Yeah, even Billy, who's like this badass tracker, is, right. is really like... Billy's off in the corner puking his guts out. Yeah, he's out. really <laughs> shocked by this. Like, I I don't know how you can portray like smell on oh, camera, but yeah. that would have been you really cool. You hear the flies. Yeah, but if you can oh. hear the flies and you can Dude, it's see them wrecking, wrecking. Yeah. yeah, and those yeah. bodies have been up there for a minute, so yeah. that, that would have been a smell. 
Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, they decide they're really going to make these guys pay. Yeah. The, the gorillas. Who to get these guys. And uh, that's when, yeah, Bill yeah. Duke tells. This is Bill Duke's first line in the film, or first, like, real prominent line in is the it? film. Yeah, I, we're, what are we, like, 20 minutes in? And this is, like, his oh first prominent line in the movie. He still has such a presence. And he's such a huge character in this film. Yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. So his first line was when he, to Jesse? I think to so, Blaine, yeah. He tells him, time to let old Painless out the bag. Yeah, well, around <laughs> that time, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, this, I, I don't remember exactly what he says. He, he, he said, time to let old Painless out the bag. But I don't know what bag. he says before that. He's talking oh, about he like, line? Yeah, he says something about, like, like you were saying, this is inhumane and the, okay. this didn't happen to anybody. Yeah, that was the first time he's like he really spoke on camera. So Billy, like, yeah, Billy's sort of able to say with his skills, like, oh, there was a firefight. You know, these guys were shooting in all directions, Mm -hmm. but he couldn't find any trace of them having hit anything. Yep. You know, so the mystery is building. Um, The dudes are all fired up. And that is when Bill Duke, uh, Mac, tells Blaine to get Painless out. Yes. And I mean, (laughs) old Painless, holy fucking shit. (laughs) This is (laughs) a... This is, is a good this one. serious? Is that got <laughs> a, like a friggin' helicopter mounted? You know, mini <laughs> exactly. Gun. It is like right. he just yanks out a bag. Like he's been like he repelled out of the helicopter with this thing slung on his back. Yeah, like why like, didn't they have that out like from the from the get go? This like, thing needed its own helicopter when exactly. they flew in. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, Blaine pulls out a a minigun, which is a M one thirty four minigun. Uh, this yeah. is one of the most badass guns on camera. I mean that I was what's it gonna say like for you most memorable guns that you've ever seen somebody wield like by hand. So yeah, we talked about this earlier. Like I, for me, it had to be Lawgiver from Dread from okay. Judge Dread. What made that so cool? It's because because it only reacted to Judge Dread. Like he's the only person uh-huh. that could use it, and it was a gun that could do several different things. Like it had an incendiary, it had a high explosives, it had all, all these different bullets in one gun i I always thought that was pretty cool see for me like multi-purpose gun Mm -hmm. i'm thinking ripley and aliens she rigs up her own it's like the flamethrower the grenade launcher and like the the plasma rifle yeah so think of lawgiver all of all of the things that ripley does in her gun is Uh all in lawgiver's gun you know another memorable gun i don't want to say it's like the most badass gun but uh planet terror the, oh yeah, uh, she yeah. loses her, yeah. loses her leg, and they just slap like a freaking machine badass gun, on gun there. placement. Right she there, she is taking folks out with that gun yeah, too. Yeah, That's yeah. sexy as well. You were mentioning before we were taping, like they use this same gun in Terminator Two, mm-hmm. and in Terminator Two, it's just like, oh yeah, okay. But in this movie, it's like another character in the movie. It's got a name. I yeah. mean, it gets an introduction. It does have a specific like yeah. pan or I forget how he it, like he brings Jesse out and cocks it. It's like yeah, yeah, and he like swings it around. It's like introduces like a <laughs> like a almost like a fifth member of the group. And I mean, when he brings it out, like all the air sucked out of the room. It's yeah. like it's like this should have had its own uh, bass drop. Yeah, I'm surprised it didn't have its own soundtrack. In the, in the, yeah. It should have had its own theme song. Exactly. Um, yeah, when they introduced that gun, it was like, oh, yeah. this is And, and again, like when they brought that gun out, that's when you can tell that they were taking this whole situation more seriously because uh-huh. they needed to bring that gun out. 
I mean, that had to be one of the most, like, as badass as it was, like, impractical as hell. <laughs> they talk about, like, how the setup they had to have to make it work. Yeah, especially like, after... All these, like, car batteries hooked up to yeah, it and, like... Yeah. How heavy it was, the gun and the ammunition, and how like no one man could carry. Yeah, and it could shoot for like uh, like two seconds. Two or seconds, something like and that. like the barrels are gonna melt. And you they had to, bullets. I, I think he had to slow down the filming rate of the really? of the film because it was that. shot so fast that yeah, it was like, I see that. yeah, it's that was just but it worked. But man. it worked. Yeah, it, I mean, it was like. This gun plays a much larger role in the, in later scenes. In the we'll, theaters in 87, that probably got cheers in the theater. Oh, just I, yeah. Just seeing the gun. I can see that. You know? And nobody had seen it. I don't. I can't remember anybody seeing a gun. like There had been many guns in movies before, yeah. but never like a handheld. Like you, when you see yeah, that. Like maybe like a what, Wild Bunch. Yeah, something like, like that. Like it was mounted on a wagon or yeah. on a helicopter. Like I think it was know? one of the first times you're like, wow, I didn't think a man could actually carry a gun like that. Uh-huh. Like, And they make it seem like he's carrying like a six shooter. Like well, it's something you, that's really practical. Like I can just walk down the street with this gun. You need a dude who's like six, eight and, you know, pushing 300 pounds to carry a gun like that. What, what's the what's the law like a concealed and carry? Do you need a concealed and carry for an M134 minigun? Well, he did have it. A, they concealed it in like 20 minutes That's into the true. movie. We never knew they had yeah, that gun. Yeah, it's hard to believe. They would have yeah. needed a squad You just put that in a backpack or something that. like that? <laughs> <laughs> but, and that's when they give us the first Predator Vision shot. Yeah. This and is what it's we, like, okay, wait a second. What? I mean, you never seen it. It's kind of like heat vision. Yeah. Like a, but it's like something something beyond the normal yeah. is happening. And I still think and I think they had a really cool sound effect. Like you heard like the uh, yeah. predator breathing. Like clicking or something. Yeah, it's like yeah. kind of a clicking noise. So you knew that it was more than just like some normal person out in the woods looking at it. Right. Him. I mean it's broad daylight, so any human mm-hmm. would, you know, probably just be using their eyeballs, not like the you know, this How did the predators heat vision know the difference between Body heat and just like heat heat because they were in a South American jungle. Ah, they had, had to be had to be said, like ninety eight degrees in the shade. Yeah, they tried and they said they tried to do it. Yeah, with uh, for real and it didn't work because yeah. like yeah the the trees and the ground Everything was like is, the same temperature. Like as he people. would be seeing like so the snakes on the ground. It's and, all special. <laughs> it's all special. Effects. Oh yeah, I yeah I get that. But, but um, was, you know that's how it, specialized his mask was though that he could tell worked, the though. heat temperature of just humans. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Anyway, like, yeah, that's the moment that you know that, like, these guys might be in over their head. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. This I mean, is, it took out the green, whatever it was, took out all the green berets. It's hanging out right there, and they don't even know that it's you there. Don't, you don't know the connection between everything, but you know that while wow, there's something up in the trees looking at them. And I think there's even a short scene where Dutch looks back, and he sees something in the trees, and he just, and they kind of do, like, a cut shot where Dutch looks up in the trees, and then the... Heat vision looks at Dutch, and then Dutch keeps moving forward. Uh-huh. So in editing, it makes it look like they're both looking at each other, but they don't know it. Um, but yeah, that's the first time that we have a hint towards this is a supernatural right thing that's following these guys. But so the dudes they keep moving on, following the trail, um, and that's when Dylan slips and like sends <laughs> some log rolling down a hill, and he's like. Looks embarrassed, you know, and then he, yeah. he gets himself up and he turns around and like Max got like a friggin' knife out to his throat. He's like right there. He's like right he there. He turns around and he's like right there. And what's he say? You ghosted this motherfucker. 
I'll bleed you real quiet. Leave you here. <laughs> He's um, like got that whisper going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm bleed he, you real quiet. <laughs> it's like I mean, yeah. It's a pretty intense moment. It yeah. was like he's intimidating. Like if I was no. an actor, it would be a scene I would love to film. Like I, we need to film this one again. Yeah, he was. Uh, you know, Mac was intimidating as yeah. hell. But I also think it shows that Dylan was really rusty. He hadn't been out in the in the woods in a while. He hadn't been yeah. out on a mission in a it, while. He was a he was that pencil pusher that Schwarzenegger said he was. Right. He, uh, you know, that's like just an illustration of how tight the script is written. That there's these little moments that. Without saying anything, you see like, oh look, he's he slipped. Mm-hmm, you know, he's mm-hmm. a little rusty. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's not up for this. Yeah. Um, I also think that 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 scene where Mac confronts uh, Dylan is really important because it sets up that confrontation between those two guys. Yeah, and there's it, like a rivalry. Yeah, and everybody who's seen this movie, we we're going to get to it, obviously. But you know what happens at the end. But uh-huh. they set up that divide between those two characters. Is there a they, reason why they, they, they didn't like each other or that at least Mac, I guess, didn't like Dylan? I think Mac, he's more focused on the mission. And he's like, I'm out here to do a job. Like, even when he showed up in the helicopter, he was like in a business suit. Like, he was True. just like, he's all business. He's all business. And so when uh, Dylan shows up, which is already kind of throwing him off, and then he's ghosting them in the in the woods. Uh-huh. Like, look now, like it's okay that you're with us, but now you're putting my life in danger. Right. And I can't have that. So if you if you fuck up one more time, I'm gonna bleed your ass, and I'm gonna leave you right here <laughs> in the woods. And then I'm gonna continue with my mission. Um. And then. He, you know, he gets just totally punked by Mac and Mac turns and walks away out of frame. And that's when Dylan decides to sort of flinch at him. Yeah. Like, don't make me come over there. <laughs> like, it makes me think of uh, how many times has somebody says something to you and you're like a, two hours later, like, man, that's if, what I, I, if I said it, if I'd only said this, <laughs> that was that scene right there. That was it, man. I yeah. mean, but anyway, that, uh, that brings us up to the end of this episode. Yeah, that takes us to the 2020 moment, 2024, maybe, something like that. So we're going to end it right here and, and check us out for our next episode. All right, yeah. See you then. All right, thanks. Thanks.